What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Do you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckes and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo, to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. And send it to the line. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. It's top. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, the world is no less turbulent than it was a few days ago, but trying to look at the bright side, I know we're getting some uh, really great voices on the podcast. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation with Damian Barling the other day. Um, Going to have some more great guests on next week, but tonight we are doing some draft stuff. But before that, I wanted to ask you... Uh, are you a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Hmm. Okay, so my dad is a ginormous fan, so I've kind of seen a lot of them through association. Like, he's a big fan of going to midnight showings and things like that. Um, but I'm the guy that's constantly like, wait, who the hell's that guy? And, like, I can't keep up with everything. So I watch a lot of them. I'm not the biggest fan, necessarily. Um, I get lost, but they're they're entertaining. Yeah, I think, I guess we did an episode, like, on that kind of way back in the heyday with your buddy, uh, our friend Adam Taylor, right? I think we did, yeah, and I think we had, like, Fox's Spider-Man and gave everybody a bunch of different things. I guess, yeah, Adam was, like, really the expert on that one. Yeah. But uh, the reason I asked is because I decided to go back, and I, 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 don't, I never really watched these movies. I've seen, like, a few of them, but they're obviously a big deal. So I decided to go back and watch all of them um, <clears throat> chronologically, which all, is... All of them. There's That's a lot. <laughs> man, I got nothing but time. It's my summer break. We're quarantined, right? I got nothing but time. So I'm, you know, I'm doing other stuff too. But at night, going to bed, I'll pop something on that Disney+. Plus. There you go. Okay, so what did you start with? So I'm going to go chronologically. I actually did this with Star Wars uh, not that long ago. And, like, which means I started with episode one, you know, like, and then into the classics, like the four, five, six, yeah. and then into the recent stuff. And I actually hated all that. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't enjoy Star Wars. I know that's super not no, a popular taste. I, I had friends start it recently, and I think I got, like, two of them through, and then just kind of started dazing off. 
Not on board. Uh, all the guys at the King's Herald, of course, love MCU. I'm trying to get into it. So I watched, like, I'm going chronologically, though, which makes no sense. It's totally stupid that I'm doing it this way. But so I watched Civil War, or what is it? Not Civil War. Captain America, the first Avenger, which takes place, like, in the 40s, which is nice to see a couple of Nazis get punched. But uh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I... uh. I'll say, like, I'm a big fan of the Thor character because he's kind of this smart-ass, um, and, and I feel like there's more comedy in those ones. That's that's one of the things I do like about the whole Marvel Universe. I think they do a good job of throwing in a little bit of jokes here and there. Yeah. Yeah, Thor, I'm looking forward to the Thor series, uh, kind of, I guess. I, I just, I, I'm trying to get into it. Right. Um, and next up chronologically is Captain Marvel, which I'm very excited about because it is uh, starring Sacramento product and famous Kings fan Brie Larson. I did not know that. Yeah, she might be like the most famous Kings fan. Interesting. Yeah, so the other one that comes to mind, and I guess he doesn't amazingly because I can't even think of his name. Who's the comedian? Uh, Oh, oh, uh, Hassan Minaj. Yes. is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think you are. I'm pretty sure you are. He has the Patriot Act on Netflix. The Patriot Act. Yeah, and I've seen him courtside of games a lot, too. Uh, yeah, just another face I know of. But, no, I did not know uh, Brie Larson. By the way, I saw you uh, saying you weren't a fan of Deadpool, and I think that that's a problem. Why is it a problem? I think it's just great comedy. And I've, I've never actually seen it. Really? Okay. I'm I'm a fan. It's kind of like stupid comedy in a way. Um, which is very hit or miss. I mean, there's some movies of stupid comedy that I love for some reason and other ones that, you know, are practically the same thing with a different um, a different uh, storyline, and for some reason I hate it, but no, I, I am definitely into Deadpool. Wow, okay. I guess he's uh, been brought into the Marvel world. They bought those rights, so, so we'll see, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. For now, I'm just, I just got to stand for Brie Larson. Looking forward. I'll let you know how this one goes. And uh, I guess that's my awkward transition into King's Talk, trying to get, <laughs> trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. So, yeah, the two guys we're going to get into today in these draft profiles is Precious, Precious Achua from Memphis and Patrick Williams from Florida State. And like I said, these are two guys I'm really worried about Sacramento potentially misutilizing. Who do you want to get into first? Oh, interesting, misutilizing. Because they are – they they're like the positions I guess or like the body types that this team kind of desperately needs. But I think I can start with either of them. There's one guy I'm much more high on than the other, mm-hmm. and I think that we're we're reversed on this for the first time. I think so. Um, let's start with Precious if you're cool with it. I'm more comfortable with him. Um, I, I got a little bit more time to do some research on him. Yeah. All right, so fundamentals. I have six foot nine with a seven two wingspan and a nine foot standing reach. Um, I have two hundred and twenty five pounds, and he averages fifteen point eight points, ten point eight rebounds, one point nine blocks for Memphis on forty nine percent from the field, thirty two percent from three, and fifty nine percent from the free throw line. Really was an interesting situation, obviously, with James Wiseman uh, being forced to leave the school and Precious kind of transitioning to a center role, even though at times he was utilized as a three in a way. Um, 
I, I feel like where you got to start with him and probably both these guys is their defensive end. And Precious is just a freakish athlete. I think he he has really good timing defensively. And one of the biggest things for me is he's an extremely switchable defender. Um, by the way, build-wise, you can think somewhat similar to Tristan Thompson, even though he moves a lot better just for his build. Um, but, yes, an extremely switchable defender. I thought he did a really good job. He said on a, the Mike Schmitz uh, virtual film watch, he feels like he can guard all five positions. I mean, questionable, but, you know, definitely I think questionable. Definitely questionable. But, you know, I, I think that he did a really good job of giving you some minutes of guarding the perimeter and then also had nice timing and able to make up for what wasn't always great rim protection with his really outstanding athleticism. Okay. Um, yeah, this is the guy that I'm lower on of this group, and I think it's the guy you're higher on of this group. Surprised by the Tristan Thompson comment, because I, I see Tristan Thompson as significantly thicker than this, this gentleman. Um, I'm worried about how slight he is. Uh, definitely has good length, but almost like Obi Toppin-esque hips. Uh, small waist, small lower body, yeah. Wow. That's, that's my concern. That's my concern. Slender guy. I was in regards say, to build, not like turning his hips. No, 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 yeah. No, okay, build, okay. Like waists, right? Right, right, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I was going to – I thought that you were going to go with a different physical comparison, even though this guy's a little bit taller, to bring it into the Kings spectrum here. Uh, I see a little bit of Willie Cauley-Stein in this guy. Really? Okay. In regards to build? In regards to build, just – and the rim running potential. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I mean, his body type isn't that far off from even, like, a Marvin Bagley. I, I thought Precious was a, a little bit bigger than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I think it, it's interesting because defensively his play style, I, like, the closest guy that kind of reminded me of it was almost a Jeremy Grant. Um, where, I, like I said, I felt like he was better on the perimeter, weirdly, even though I think that he's best used as a center. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there, but my issue with, like, say, the Willie Cauley-Stein thing, first of all, I kind of just think he's bigger. I'm n- not as tall, and I maybe so, like, they weigh the same, but Willie Cauley-Stein's is stretched over maybe, like, two, three more inches of height. Um, and... I mean, in regards to their play, which I know isn't quite what you're saying, like, effort is not really an issue with Precious, which obviously was a major concern with Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, Precious, like, he has an energy level a little reminiscent of, like, a Rashawn Holmes in a way to me. Yeah, I I get where you're coming from. Uh, Not concerned about his effort. But it's also like, I don't know, if you get into the league and things start to change and you start to get frustrated, you never know. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein came into the league as like, I mean, everyone thought he was going to be a great shot blocker, and he wasn't, right? Or he was like decent at first, and it kind of just went away with his waning interest in that part of the game. Um, And I I do see a lot of similarities between him and Willie Cauley-Stein, but all the good parts of Cauley-Stein, right? Yeah. So the length, the the occasional uh, 
playmaking flash, like that's there. The help defense at the rim, that's there. Willie could switch a little bit, right, like a little bit. He could get down to the perimeter. Um, he wasn't like a ground-bound, big, heavy anchor-type center. Um, so that interests me. I get concerned, though, that a lot of the best defensive possessions that I saw of his were kind of help possessions, where I don't know – I mean, is the idea here to, to play him at the five? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that is that is the idea here. And it would be mainly in a switch scheme. So, like, while I like him, it doesn't really fit the Kings amazingly. I mean, like, the Kings should not be switching. They do a lot of showing with their big men, mainly because they have limitations themselves. Um, and I think Precious is fine in a drop. Like, there's a lot of times that guards are getting past him, but he has really good timing and he's staying with them. Um so I, I don't know. I, I like him, but I like him in a switch heavy. So the, the comp I saw Sam Bassini draw, and in his mock draft, he had him going to Boston. And I think that he'd be amazing in a Daniel Tice role sort of thing. Yeah, I think he could be. Um, I think a lot of his defensive highlights are easy to fall in love with, but, you know, this is more of what I've read than what I've seen because I haven't watched – you know, whatever a dozen games of this guy. Uh, often noted, like I, I've seen his inconsistency as a defender noted frequently. Yeah. Uh, fundamentals, you know, like this guy is still very much a work in progress, and it's notable he'll be 21 at the time of the draft. Yeah. Um, just to consider, you know, Patrick Williams, for example, is going to be 18. Like, you know, the next Two guy we do. Difference. They're both freshmen. Both freshmen, yeah. So that's that's kind of, I mean, as far as the work in progress, a 21-year-old who's just getting used to playing as a true big man, Yeah, I do have some concerns. And, yeah, I, I do. Um, did, you, did you catch the virtual film session with Mike Schmitz? I did, yeah. So I'm probably putting too much stock into it, but that was one of my favorite ones, if not my favorite, because of the way that he was able to break down his thought process for it. And, like, he just seemed like such a smart, high IQ player to me. And, you know, maybe I'm putting too much into it because it's easier to do that on film than actually reading it as you're playing. But to me, like, you know, a lot of what he was saying, the reason that he feels like he can guard so many positions is because he does so much prep. And that might be – I might be putting too much into that. But – the way that he was able to talk about the game was something that you don't see from most of these guys, I felt like. Um, so yeah, I think he represented himself well, but, like, you would, right? And that's also – this that video is, like, a more recent one that was done during the COVID stuff. Like, it was – I think it was just a, it's a month old. And he's, you know, he's out there campaigning and trying to get up in the draft, trying to, like, get near the lottery – um, but I didn't feel like that with the other guys. Right, but, like, why would you feel that with Lonzo Ball? Like, Lonzo Ball right. went out there and made himself look like a knucklehead, but, like, he's not tripping. Like, <laughs> right, you know? Lamello, you mean? Oh, sorry, Lamello, yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. That, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I think that there is a some work to be done on the defensive end, mainly because he just is not um, used to that five role, where I think he really needs to be playing. 
Um, but I, I'm high in his potential as a switch guy and then also being able to drop. I don't think it's great for Sacramento. And if we're talking for the Kings, I I mean, like, I, I guess you'd be talking about his fit alongside Marvin Bagley defensively. I don't hate it um, because, like I said, I think he's better on the wing defensively. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's okay there. What, what do you think about his defensive fit alongside Bagley? Would you play Bagley as the five in that scenario? I think so. I mean, like, does it, I don't know if it really matters that much. But. I, I think if hmm, whoever they, is usually the role man and the one setting the screen, I'd rather have Precious on him. Which, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if that necessarily – that's kind of going to vary if it's the four or five team to team. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what you want, that you don't want Bagley guarding the pick and roll. So like if but if a team is running like a one five pick and roll, what's Bagley doing? Like hope you know hope to God that they don't have a four that's like really versatile. Yeah, well I think the point is you could put Precious on either the four or five and put Bagley on the weaker one of the two. You just put Precious on the better, yeah, the better big. Yeah, maybe. I still worry about it. Like six nine two twenty five, mm-hmm. not used to guarding big men. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would still worry about it, but I definitely agree with you. Like. On the upside, I'm excited for his potential defensively, um, yeah. but not like a guy with like a similar similar size, not weight, but similar uh, uh, dimensions could be like a Kongwu. I'm like obviously much higher on a Kongwu. Right. Yeah, a Kongwu like specifically gets off the floor a lot quicker, and the timing is is better. Obviously, yeah. I mean, we don't need to get in the defensive comp. Kongwu is obviously kind of in a tier of his own in this draft class, um, especially talking bigs. And then if we move to the offensive pressures, obviously as a role man, he is extremely impressive. Um, I, I think that you know he, when he's getting downhill, there's moments where he. Obviously, he's taking a charge or maybe a few turnovers here and there. Um, but I think for the most part, he, he gets downhill and is just kind of a force. It's a guy that, you know, players are going to make a business decision and kind of get out of his way sometimes. And then he also so, showed some finesse of, like, Euro-stepping around guys in a way. And this is kind of where I saw the Rashawn Holmes almost as a role man. See, this is where I see Willie Cauley-Stein all over. Like, this is the side of the ball where I really see Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, and, again, don't take – I know, like, we cringe when we hear that name at times, but don't take that in a bad way. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein was, you know, as far as all the defensive – all all the net rating metrics, he was the best player on the Kings in their best season for a long time, right? I actually uh, and it was it now you're saying it. Because he was a devastating rim runner. Yeah, right. Transition right. game, yeah. Yeah, and it's that slight passing that you're talking about. Like, one of the most intriguing parts of Precious to me was, and also one of the most worrisome, the part where I'm like, you know, he could really be misutilized by the Kings, is that, you know, they could maybe talk himself into, like, playing him at the three offensively or, like, having him run a pick and roll. And, like, that (laughs) that sounds terrifying, you know? You know Vlade would say he's a three. For sure, and that terrifies me, and I, you know, but... Part of it, like, if he gets a board, and, and the, the way I see him working offensively in the Kings would be if there was the insane pace again, where he gets the board and is able to take 
two, three dribbles and make a decent outlet pass. And being able to do that as a big, I think, would be huge for De'Aaron Fox would already be at the rim. Is Uh, there space for him and Bagley to be the bigs in a high-speed transition offense? That's what I don't know. Um, I I think, yes, because one gets the board and the other one's already down the floor. I think Uh, it's possible. Yeah, but in the half court, it's kind of a disaster. Yeah, and this is like where the bad part of Willie Colestine or one of the bad parts of Willie Colestine comes into play is the shot selection. And like this dude was jacking up garbage, um, like with frequency. Uh, I believe this this stat is from the ringer: sixty percent from the line, twenty six percent on floaters, thirty percent on jumpers. Yeah, there were definitely some some questionable decisions, and I don't know how much of it to credit to like. Um, Memphis kind of putting a lot on him. I didn't watch enough of that. With Wiseman being out, I mean, like, he clearly was the best player, you know? I, I think that being ACC or AAC player of the year and freshman of the year, I mean, maybe he just got a bit more responsibilities, but still doesn't make up for definitely some very questionable decisions. Um, but I think if he's just asked to do less, which I don't have the most faith. I mean, you look like Buddy Heald in a way, not properly utilized. Uh, in Sacramento doing that, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think the the offensive fit really works, especially you're talking alongside Bagley. Like, I guess there's it, – it's weird because I want to say there's, like, some potential in the three-point shot with 32%, even though it's only on 40 attempts. Like, when he was open, the form looked promising. But, I mean, 59 60% pretty much from the free-throw line, like, I mean – it's pretty discouraging there. Um, so it's it's hard to talk myself into buying him as a three-point shooter. Like, I think he could be the three-point shooter, maybe level of Bagley, but that's not good. Right, no, exactly. I think, like, there's so many bigs that are redundant with Bagley because Bagley does not protect the rim and he does not shoot the three at a, an efficient level. It's really upsetting at times when, like, you go through an entire draft class and you're like, okay, Every big in this draft class, like, potentially conflicts with Bagley. Right. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, my kind of final thing on Precious was just that I think that a team that is able to properly utilize his skills, I think, as a role man, and like I said, I think that making the outlet pass after a board and switching a lot on defense would work great for him, but I don't think that team is the Kings. Yeah, my kind of verdict on him is just like he's he's a tweener and that could be great on the right team. Um, you know, in the right situation, you take a guy that's kind of a a four or five tweener with some perimeter skills and it that becomes a very, very special, valuable player. Yeah. Um, but in the wrong situation or if like he just doesn't develop in the right ways, that's a pretty not not useful player. It's a pretty non functional player. It's a it's a bench player. Right, yeah, and I do kind of think that he's a, like, a bench five, maybe, like, a, like I said, like, Daniel Tice level starting five, which, you know, I mean, is probably a bench on most teams in a way. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with him in, in the somewhat perimeter play or whatever I just don't buy. Like, that's kind of what needs to be cut to me. He might just be, like, Marvin Bagley's backup. Right, which I don't, 
like I don't hate, but I'm not picking that over some of these guys that is just like a, a fit that I think, you know, could be starting. Yeah, and I'll say if you're good at transitioning, I do believe in Patrick Williams' ability to, to become a starter. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. If you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out as well. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So I have 6'8 with a 6'11 wingspan, also 225 pounds. And averaged 9.2 points, four rebounds, a block on 45% from the field, 32% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. Played at Florida State. Like you said, one of the youngest guys going into this draft. He's going to be 19 at the time of being drafted. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, so the youth, first of all, that matters. I think, like, this is a guy that didn't play – a ton. I mean, he, he played he played enough, but um, you know, 22 minutes, never started a game for Florida State. Uh, is currently 18. Um, I didn't know the exact date he turns 19, but around I, uh, the time of the draft, August 6th. So yeah, he'll just be 19. Um, and obviously, this is a later draft. He would have been 18 in the if it were you know essentially this weekend, which it normally would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so my, my like, first – here's what I'll say right off the top. This guy, of everyone we've done so far, is the most desirable player type. You – like, what's, who's, who are the most – who are the best, most important players in the game today, right? We can go through it. LeBron, I mean, that's – we can't really ever compare anyone to LeBron, but Kawhi, Paul George – Right. Uh, these types of three fours, or like what is now we consider the four, uh, six eight, uh, nearly seven foot wingspan, can shoot it. Maybe not an amazing shooter, but like I see like notes of Kawhi in this dude. Great team defender. Wow. Yeah, I see notes of it. Like if you if if he takes, remember Kawhi couldn't shoot allegedly coming out of college. Uh. I, but, you know, very, very sharp defender. Obviously, I don't think he's the next Kawhi. I don't think that he's going to be, uh, you know, finals MVP. I don't think he's going to be defensive player of the year candidate. But in, the in like, the realm of that player type, like, this is the type of player that he is. He's a big wing. Mm-hmm. So, in regards to his defense, I think that, he's primarily off ball where you see him used best because I think like the concern with him would be his athleticism sort of similar to like Sadiq Bey um, where he's just not the quickest laterally or getting off his feet. Um, So that kind of has me leaning that he just isn't. 
don't think he's going to be a liability on ball, but I think he's definitely used best off ball, um, and that's where he really could have a nice impact, which is a good role for the four. Um, and, you know, some, some nice rim protection with timing and things like that that works decently alongside Bagley. Um, yeah, a lot of my thing with him is just that he's so raw. And we'll get into it. Um, like, it, it flashes, you know. And my hesitation with the Kings is just, like, how, how, how much time do they put into, like, developing a guy, really? No, I think that's that's a really fair point as far as, like, you probably want someone that's a little bit more ready. But in this draft class, I, like, I'm borderline having in my top ten for a Kings-centric pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it would take a few years. But um, yeah. just getting, getting a, a guy that size, right, like, I mean, maybe, you know, like, is, is he, like, a Barnes type maybe? Is like Tobias Harris maybe comes to mind here, and like not you know a one-on-one defender type, but that size. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean there. Um, and yeah, I think that that definitely would work with what's going on with Sacramento, right? I mean, you're talking that where you saw you him potentially starting, I would assume, would be at the four, you know, Barnes at the three, right, or either one really. Um, and then if we were talking Bagley, he would just kind of be sitting there, help defense cleaning up for Bagley's mistakes in a way, right? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, maybe he doesn't end up with the Kings. Maybe that's – I mean, I think there could be room for him to start there, but I think he could find a way. Because that's the thing about these these types of players. Like, there's they're very important, but there's not a great dearth of them. So, like, you know, every team wants two of these types of players in their starting lineup, two of them. And – yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe in this guy's shot creation. Uh, I believe in, you know, the athleticism isn't amazing, but I believe it's, like, enough. I don't I don't see him as, like, a Sadiq Bey kind of, like, old man game necessarily. He's got some explosion to him. Um, I don't know if that will hold him back as much. Uh, you know, I like the finishing. I like that he can, you know, jump passing lanes, maybe a little too aggressive there at times, but... That combined with the rim protection, help protection, help rim, uh, helping at the rim, like he's versatile enough that he can kind of do a little bit of everything. You know, not in love with this guy. He's not. It's not going to be in the top ten on my big board. Um, he right now, I don't even have him in my top thirteen. But like, yeah, I, it's close. I mean, this is not a great draft. I don't think he's an amazing shooter. But I can see, I feel like the form is solid. He gets good lift. He's good at releasing near the top of his uh, of his jumper. I think he could continue to improve if you get him a professional shooting coach. I mean, 3% from the line. Yeah. I, I, I'm, there's a lot to be intrigued in here. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, it, it's definitely a high upside guy, and, and for what it's worth, I think that's good for Sacramento. My argument earlier was I just don't think that's the way they lean. They seem to be more of a, um, you know, focused on winning now, just basing it off off-season signings, and you just look at the general age of the roster, really. I just don't see them as a team that's really looking to kind of develop talent, if that means losing a couple more games, which I don't necessarily think is for the best for them. Um I, so, like, I'm with you here. I think Patrick Williams is is definitely the better fit between the two of him and Precious. And, I, yeah, I mean, I understand the argument of having him that high in your Kings board. And what do you think of him 
in regards to on the ball offensively? I know that's not where like he'd primarily be used, but what do you think of stretches of doing that here and there? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be dominant with it. The playmaking is a real question mark. Uh, definitely not miss this guy in his first year of Florida State. One assist per game compared to 1.7 turnovers. That's a concern. Um, but like you said, that's not where you'd want to utilize him. Uh, I think that he's. I think he could end up as like the fourth or fifth best starter on the team. Um, yeah, I, I I think you kind of want him. I think I I think he could come around in terms of catch and shoot. Then you like use him off ball. Uh, if he's open, he shoots it, or he attacks the closeout. I think I believe in his ability to do that, uh, get to the rim and finish. Yeah, I mean it's not a, it's not an amazing player here, but I, I'm I'll say this: I'm higher on him than Achua just by a hair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that Achua is a safer bet, even though he also has his things to work on. I just kind of buy him a little bit more as a floor guy uh, defensively. Um, I don't think he has an insanely high floor or anything. I think it's just higher than Patrick Williams. Um, but the ceiling for Williams, I would definitely put high, uh, I would definitely put higher um, because of the potential ability to really guard those premier guys that you're kind of talking about. I don't think he's shutting them down. Um, like I said, I think most of his value is coming from off ball defensively. Um, but yeah, I would I would agree with that. And the raw aspect of him is really just tiny things like he he travels a lot or just turnovers where he steps out of bounds sort of thing um and and that's yeah I mean that's kind of it's a guy that I think is not the lowest floor but a fairly high ceiling like you said like the ceiling of like fourth best fourth best starter on a team yeah I think by the time he's 21 I think that he'll be a better prospect than uh, uh, Ashwa. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'm building a little bit into this age thing. Um, and like you said, maybe the Kings don't want that, don't care for that. I think, honestly, like, Estadik Bay is probably the most desirable of those three for the Kings, just because it's kind of, you know, a ready-made product. And right. You can bet really high shooting. Floor. Yeah, high, much higher floor. And a floor that applies, like, right now. It's not, like, a floor that, like, we know in a few years he'll be – well, maybe a few years, but we know, like, at some point he'll be good. It's, like, no, like, Sadiq Bay's got a floor right now. Uh, So that's – I and, yeah, that's where I – just to, like, sum this up, right now I have, like, as, like, in general, I have Williams, my 14th favorite prospect, Bay, my 15th. And Achua kind of tied with, with like, Hampton and Lewis kind of in my lowest tier. But then for the Kings, I kind of flip that to some degree. Bay would be my pick for the Kings, followed by Williams, followed by Achua. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it really depends team to team. I think they're close enough that they're the same tier um, for most of these guys. Um, for example, so Vassini on his mock has... 17th for Precious and 20th for Patrick Williams. And if you're talking big board, he actually has Precious 15th 
and 21st for Patrick Williams, which is pretty surprising to me. Um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I I think that Sam Vecini knows uh, prospects way better than I do, and I would bet that he is right, uh, and I'm wrong. But at the same time, I, there's a lot of people much lower on uh, Achua, uh, Achua uh, 24th on the Ringers board. Um, I know our friend, shout out to Brett Huff, uh, uses uh, a, a bunch of big boards and averages them together. Williams is just one spot ahead of Achua there. So I don't know. I also, um, one more guy who I've been like checking out more recently – um, I've never been a Chad Ford guy, but uh, heard him on one of the Ringer podcasts and then uh, heard the stories from Tim and Bryant uh, about how he, like, was going back and altering his big boards after drafts, like, years later for oh, some man. reason <laughs> uh, to make himself look better, like, moving Giannis up his, up his board for, like, years fast. Um, but I guess, he's, I guess he left ESPN for a while and now is back. And he's super high on Patrick Williams. I believe he's 10th on, on his board. So wow. who knows how reliable anyone is necessarily. But right. I think there's love for Patrick Williams. Yeah, I, and I think it's totally reasonable. Um, I think I'm probably putting too much stock into, like, that video with, with Precious. Like, I don't know, just the way he talked about the game was almost like, and this is super freaking high praise, is, like, Draymond-esque. Like, you hear him talking, and it's almost like, uh, like you clearly just have a deep understanding of the game and, and, you know, maybe it's just dropping terms. And like you said, trying to look good and things like that. And it's easy to do for these guys that have done it for pretty much their whole life on film. And it's different when you're actually in game. Um, but I think that I'm buying that he understands the game and is also just adapting to a new role. So like I said, for precious, I think he just has to kind of be put in the right spot. And Patrick Williams has more versatility to him. Um, and I think ultimately both these guys are used optimally. I'd probably, hmm, I'd probably slightly lean Precious in regards to in his role, but I think Patrick would be a better player if that makes sense. And for the Kings, if you're for whatever reason, those are the two best players on the board. Who are you going with? I'm going with Patrick Williams. Yeah. Um, it's just the better choice with Bagley. Yeah, I mean, like I view Precious as like a, a Holmes replacement. Yeah. Which, I mean, you don't want to be picking in the lottery, assuming that's what we're talking about. And you don't want to replace Holmes. Right. Ideally. Right. And, well, and think of Holmes, like, I know he played way above his contract, but he was a replacement level center. Right. Um. Yeah. So, but in the end, I mean, these guys, like you said, I'm, I'd am i rather take Bay. I would, obviously, Vassell, Okoro, blah, blah, blah. Um, is there... I mean, this is still – do you lean – I mean, if we're talking a backup hmm, – because, like you said, Patrick Williams has potential to start here, and we don't see the case for, like, Lewis or Maxi. How, how do you feel with, like, Lewis, Maxi, Precious Patrick for the Kings? Yeah, so uh, – I kind of see it as, like, a backup point guard versus a backup center that you're picking, right? I stalled out pretty hard. So I, I have my, like, overall – list and then I have a Kings list with trades built in um, which is like kind of a semi cop out I guess I, I don't know but there's also no world where they can't trade and then on my like Kings like no trade list 
where you just have to take that player and they're just on your team. Uh, I really stalled out after like number nine. That's why I'm I don't even know who I would have tenth on that list right now. Yeah, totally fair. And I don't I don't have a list in front of me. I I guess I'd probably lean like Maxi and Lewis, even though trading down would make sense, just because I think there's more value. Like they're comparable enough that just the fact that there's more value in a point guard than a center. Yeah, I if like I could trade if I could take Maxi, I, I do believe in Tyrese Maxi. If I could take Maxi and trade him and like get, I don't know, even like pick seventeen and and something, I might do that and then just take like any of these Bay Williams uh, precious guys that fall down there. Yeah. So if if say Neesmith, Bay, Patrick Williams are on the board, are you annoyed if the Kings take Patrick Williams? Neesmith for sure. I, I I would prefer Nesmith for sure. Okay. I love I lo- I love me some Nesmith. He's number nine on my like no trades list. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but in between Bay and Williams, it's kind of I I think you had him one in between. It's kind of whatever you're going for more future right now impact. I would go for Bay. Um, I have yeah I have Bay one spot higher for the Kings, and then it's like yeah yeah I, I wouldn't be upset though to your answer, answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm pretty much on the same boat with you here, and I think uh, it's most of what I got for these guys, man. You feel like there's anything else we're missing out on? No, that's it, dude. I I feel like we're getting down to the to the snickle fritz. Uh, maybe there'll be like a couple more guys that I could see, you know, best case scenario being starters, right? But like we're getting down to guys that are are, are much more likely to be career backups, right? Yeah, yeah, and we're talking – I mean, it, to me, I kind of think that one of Sadiq Bay or well, – well, I'm assuming Okoro and Vassell are gone, right? And most of these gotta be. other top guys, yeah, if we're talking 13-14. I kind of think the decision – like, I think that one of Neesmith or Bay will be on the table, and I'm leaning that you just take whichever one is there. Yeah, over over like a backup point guard. I think so yeah. too. I think over pretty much the rest of the guys we're going to talk about for the most part. I think so too. If you can get a guy that's like a legit forward, like legit three four, could it could potentially start for you even if not this year. Like that's that's a win, and I I would like that quite a bit. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna have to decide who we hit on next. I know we're doing a bunch of interviews and in that getting to know series. So who knows what the next time we get back to this? But maybe we pick two people that potentially fit uh, with Bagley as an idea long-term or something? Because obviously, you know, I guess we got to talk about Poku at some point. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think I got our guys. I think we do Poku Sevsky and Jalen Smith. Okay. I know, yeah, Jalen Smith is the uh, Bryant West. Just been pushing for that one. Kevin yeah. Fippen loves that dude. Kevin Fippen has really? been like his top ten, yeah. Okay, yeah, and then at some point I think I definitely want to get to Josh Green, who's an interesting 3 and D, but yeah, we'll have some guys to get to for sure. Um, yeah, but and I'm, I'm totally interested in, in tail meltdown as well, but I, right. I, I, probably not for the Kings. Just, mm-hmm. just curious, but what another, another uh, French point guard. Right, Right, yeah, I saw you throw around a bunch of uh, backup point guards, like a Trey Jones, Tyrell Terry. I think it'll be interesting guys to get to just for the sake of educating ourselves and whatever listeners on the draft. I mean, we're diving into it. I'd like to, you know, we get through 30 guys. I feel pretty good. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, I'm good with whenever we get to this next with Poku and Jalen Smith. Poku being uh, in Greek second and Jalen Smith being in Maryland. Um, but yes, we get to those guys potentially big man Bagley fits, I guess, in a way. Um, but yeah, we'll get to them. And that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Falls Podcast. Let us know who you like better between Precious Patrick Williams. You like either of them compared to alongside, I mean, Marvin Bagley or compared to Sadiq Bay, for example. But let us know your thoughts. And thanks for listening to this episode of the King's Falls Podcast. Hear from us again in the next couple of days. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.